section fourteen of a sentimental journey through france and italy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by martin geeson a sentimental journey through france and italy by laurence stern section fourteen the passport paris when i got home to my hotel la fleur told me i had been inquired after by the lieutenant de police the deuce take it said i i know the reason it is time the reader should know it for in the order of things in which it happened it was omitted not that it was out of my head but that had i told it then it might have been forgotten now and now is the time i want it i had left london with so much precipitation that it never entered my mind that we were at war with france and had reached dover and looked through my glass at the hills beyond boulogne before the idea presented itself and with this in its train that there was no getting there without a passport go but to the end of a street i have a mortal aversion for returning back no wiser than i set out and as this was one of the greatest efforts i had ever made for knowledge i could less bear the thoughts of it so hearing the count de had hired the packet i begged he would take me in his suite the count had some little knowledge of me so made little or no difficulty only said his inclination to serve me could reach no farther than calais as he was to return by way of brussels to paris however when i had once passed there i might get to paris without interruption but that in Paris I must make friends and shift for myself. "'Let me get to Paris, Monsieur le Comte,' said I, "'and I shall do very well.' So I embarked, and never thought more of the matter. When La Fleur told me the lieutenant de police had been inquiring after me, the thing instantly recurred and by the time la fleur had well told me the master of the hotel came into my room to tell me the same thing with this addition to it that my passport had been particularly asked after the master of the hotel concluded with saying he hoped i had one not i faith said i the master of the hotel retired three steps from me as from an infected person as i declared this and poor la fleur advanced three steps towards me and with that sort of movement which a good soul makes to succour a distressed one the fellow won my heart by it and from that single tray i knew his character as perfectly and could rely upon it as firmly as if he had served me with fidelity for seven years monseigneur cried the master of the hotel 
but recollecting himself as he made the exclamation he instantly changed the tone of it if monsieur said he has not a passport apparemment in all likelihood he has friends in paris who can procure him one not that i know of quoth i with an air of indifference then certes replied he you'll be sent to the bastille or the chatelet au moins Poor, said i the king of france is a good-natured soul he'll hurt nobody cela n'empêche pas said he you will certainly be sent to the bastille to-morrow morning but i've taken your lodgings for a month answered i and i'll not quit them a day before the time for all the kings of france in the world la fleur whispered in my ear that nobody could oppose the king of france pardi said my host ces messieurs anglais sont des gens très extraordinaires and having both said and sworn it he went out the passport the hotel at paris i could not find it in my heart to torture la fleurs with a serious look upon the subject of my embarrassment which was the reason i had treated it so cavalierly and to show him how light it lay upon my mind i dropped the subject entirely and whilst he waited upon me at supper talked to him with more than usual gaiety about paris and of the opera comique la fleur had been there himself and had followed me through the streets as far as the bookseller's shop but seeing me come out with the young fille de chambre and that we walked down the quai de conti together la fleur deemed it unnecessary to follow me a step further so making his own reflections upon it he took a shorter cut and got to the hotel in time to be informed of the affair of the police against my arrival as soon as the honest creature had taken away and gone down to sup himself i then began to think a little seriously about my situation and here i know eugenius thou wilt smile at the remembrance of a small dialogue which passed betwixt us the moment i was going to set out i must tell it here eugenius knowing that i was as little subject to be overburdened with money as thought had drawn me aside to interrogate me how much i had taken care for upon telling him the exact sum eugenius shook his head and said it would not do so pulled out his purse in order to empty it into mine i've enough in conscience eugenius said i indeed yorick you have not replied eugenius i know france and italy better than you but you don't consider eugenius said i refusing his offer 
that before i have been three days in paris i shall take care to say or do something or other for which i shall get clapped up into the bastille and that i shall live there a couple of months entirely at the king of france's expense i beg pardon said eugenius dryly really i had forgot that resource now the event i treated gaily came seriously to my door is it folly or nonchalance or philosophy or pertinacity or what is it in me that after all when la fleur had gone downstairs and i was quite alone i could not bring down my mind to think of it otherwise than i had then spoken of it to eugenius and as for the bastille the terror is in the word make the most of it you can said i to myself the bastille is but another word for a tower and a tower is but another word for a house you can't get out of mercy on the gouty for they are in it twice a year but with nine livres a day and pen and ink and paper and patience albeit a man can't get out he may do very well within at least for a month or six weeks at the end of which if he is a harmless fellow his innocence appears and he comes out a better and wiser man than he went in i had some occasion i forget what to step into the courtyard as i settled this account and remember i walked downstairs in no small triumph with the conceit of my reasoning beshrew the sombre pencil said i vauntingly for i envy not its powers which paints the evils of life with so hard and deadly a colouring the mind sits terrified at the objects she has magnified herself and blackened reduce them to their proper size and hue she overlooks them tis true said i correcting the proposition the bastille is not an evil to be despised but strip it of its towers fill up the fosse unbarricade the doors call it simply a confinement and suppose tis some tyrant of a distemper and not of a man which holds you in it the evil vanishes and you bear the other half without complaint i was interrupted in the heyday of this soliloquy with a voice which i took to be of a child which complained it could not get out i looked up and down the passage and seeing neither man woman nor child i went out without farther attention in my return back through the passage i heard the same words repeated twice over and looking up i saw it was a starling hung in a little cage i can't get out i can't get out said the starling i stood looking at the bird 
and to every person who came through the passage it ran fluttering to the side towards which they approached it with the same lamentation of its captivity i can't get out said the starling god help thee said i but i'll let thee out cost what it will so i turned about the cage to get to the door it was twisted and double twisted so fast with wire there was no getting it open without pulling the cage to pieces i took both hands to it the bird flew to the place where i was attempting his deliverance and thrusting his head through the trellis pressed his breast against it as if impatient i fear poor creature said i i cannot set thee at liberty no said the starling i can't get out i can't get out said the starling i vow i never had my affections more tenderly awakened nor do i remember an incident in my life where the dissipated spirits to which my reason had been a bubble were so suddenly called home mechanical as the notes were yet so true in tone to nature where they chanted that in one moment they overthrew all my systematic reasonings upon the bastille and i heavily walked upstairs unsaying every word i had said in going down them disguise thyself as thou wilt still slavery said i still thou art a bitter draught and though thousands in all ages have been made to drink of thee thou art no less bitter on that account tis thou thrice sweet and gracious goddess addressing myself to liberty whom all in public or in private worship whose taste is grateful and ever will be so till nature herself shall change no tint of words can spot thy snowy mantle or chimic power turn thy sceptre into iron with thee to smile upon him as he eats his crust the swain is happier than his monarch from whose court thou art exiled gracious heaven cried i kneeling down upon the last step but one in my ascent grant me but health thou great bestower of it and give me but this fair goddess as my companion and shower down thy mitres if it seems good unto thy divine providence upon those heads which are aching for them end of section 14 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey